98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Just like that, it's 5 o'clock on a Friday. Let's go. Happy hour. Yes. Crack me open one. 5 o'clock on a Friday. Hope everybody gets home safe. Has a good weekend. I celebrate my uh, my anniversary this weekend. Yeah. I'm, I'm fired up about this gift. You like those? You like those? I those, do. Uh, I do. Mitch, have you seen them? Those are gorgeous. Are they not sweet? They are awesome. She's Jackie Robinson Dunks. Eric, did you see them? I saw the picture. Mm. I have not seen. I got them right here. The I got them right here. Nothing says right happy here. anniversary, honey, like a fresh new pair of Nikes. I tell you what, yeah. though. They go toe-to-toe with your Crocs. That's for sure. Listen, I wore those Crocs the other day, so... I'm not afraid. You got some Crocs, huh? All right. I got to pay. You know what? My kid ordered them. They were too big. My wife said, just, they're in. They're in. She says, trust me, they're in. I'm like, all right. The pride. pride Don't send them back. I'll just keep the Crocs. Listen, those guys that invented Mm -hmm. Crocs up there in Colorado are doing awfully, awfully well. Yeah, I don't really get it, but okay. I mean, if it's in, it's in. I'll get it. Uh, No, that's not her only present. She has another present coming, but that's, I had to make up for uh, not not a great birthday present, so I had to make up for that. So um, You got her uh, Converse? I yeah, I just had to make up for the present I got her on her birthday was I didn't do as good so the for anniversary I got her a lot but yeah I got those Jackie Robinson dunks yeah she's gonna love them she's gonna love them all right let's talk some uh, let's talk some Cardinals football the roster man we're gonna know by Sunday we'll start seeing all these cuts coming down all across the league now you know this right because we've been around the block long enough whatever that roster is on. Whatever that roster is on Sunday, Monday, right? When the roster gets down, they're pro- it's probably not going to be that way. So the guy who makes it is like 51, 52, 53. Those guys could be out because the Cardinals are absolutely going to be looking at everybody else that got cut and seeing if they can upgrade. They could be tweaking up until Wednesday of game week of the season opener against the Chiefs. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Steve Kime, when it comes to improving the roster, will be, especially given the current state of some position groups, uh, will be open for business until he gets a group that right. he likes. And I'm not yeah. sure he's ever going to get that point. Yeah, yeah, he would, listen, I mean, he would, uh, uh, he would sell his soul to upgrade the roster. So whatever it takes to upgrade the roster, run over a grandma, whatever, I mean, he will do whatever it takes to upgrade that roster. So there's going to be, what, six, seven hundred plus players that are going to get cut, you know, in the next 48, 72 hours, right? By Sunday, you'll start seeing it, and then Monday finalized, and then teams will put together their practice squads. So right after, sometime Sunday, you'll start seeing all these cuts come down. You're going to have 600-plus, 700-plus guys that are out there, and there's going to be guys that the Cardinals like. There's going to be guys that they've had their eye, guys that they liked in the draft, guys that they thought had a lot of potential. And Wow, that guy got cut. Interesting. I mean, you know, They're monitoring this stuff right now, saying, okay, what's the possibility? What could happen in San Francisco? they got a lot of edge rushes in San Francisco. If they let go of that guy, we want him. We like him. And it's doing the same thing with cornerback. Okay, if that team lets go of that cornerback, we like him. So I totally expect that they will uh, you know, address some areas of concern with guys that are cut. So I totally expect that. Look, I know they work, they're working very hard to try to make a trade, too, where they can get a better player than guys that get cut. Takes two to tango, but I know they're working on that to try to get a corner. Um, we'll, so we'll see if that happens. But I so whatever they have on their roster now, by Monday or Tuesday, there are going to be some new players here from other teams. 
And I would say, I don't think anything can happen on that field in Tennessee tomorrow that would change the minds of Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. I, I think at this point, at least in terms of the, obviously you can make a trade and acquire somebody or find somebody on the waiver wire that you like better. But in terms of guys battling for a roster spot on their roster right now, Gamble, I'd be shocked if decisions weren't already made. Like they know, yeah. like, like mm-hmm. listen, they're not going into this Tennessee game going like, all right, let's see who has the better game, Eno or Jonathan Ward, and that'll determine who makes the, the team. No, I, the, these decisions have been made and probably have been made for a little while. Okay, but but, but, e- but even if you take even if you take cornerback and you're saying okay, let you start to go through the cornerback. Okay, you got Byron Murphy, you got Antonio Hamilton, and you start to go through the roster. You're like Marco Wilson. Okay, Jace Whitaker, Trist, Christian Matthew, Josh Jackson. You know, you start to go through these guys. Can, can they find a better player than Christian Matthew? Can they find a better player than Josh Jackson? Like you start to look at the guys that are the bottom of the line depth guys. A corner. Those guys, so as one of those guys may originally make the roster, but once the Cardinals were able to upgrade that position, that guy would be gone. Yeah, I know, Gamble, but also, like, for a team with playoff aspirations, I mean, if you're upgrading your roster by signing one guy who was cut and then either releasing a guy on your team because the guy who was just cut is better, listen, that's, man, I don't know if that's the recipe for winning 11 or 12 football games. That that's what concerns you. To to me, to to get a quality guy, you got to try to find to make a deal. You got to try to find a team that and has they, and they that are, has a need as a need somewhere well, else. May have a like, listen. You need three good ones, so you need to find a team with four or five good ones that maybe has a need or has an interest in maybe acquiring some draft capital to pull off that deal. Now I can't sit here and say. I'm in tune with the rosters of every other team in the league and start ripping off guys that possibly could be available, but Steve Kime gets played, paid plenty of money uh, to do exactly that. So to, to me, that, that, that's where you can help your football team. I'm not saying you can't ever have lightning strike and find a guy off the waiver wire that helps you win games. In fact, Razul Douglas, Russell Douglas helped the Packers win games. Uh, he was he's one of their best corners uh, right now. Right, so it can, and he was here. It can happen, but again, I'll use the phrase, it's just normally not the recipe for success for a team that again has has their eyes on, on the playoffs. Yeah, but this is what you have. This is what you have to deal with. You got to figure out can you upgrade the roster? If a guy's 1% better, that's getting cut from another team than a guy you have. You have to do it. Oh, I know. I know you what you're saying. To. You're saying it is what it is. But it I'm is saying, what it is. I'm saying if that's what it is, then what it is ain't uh, good. Bernsey sent me a mock draft <laughs> yesterday. Let's see if I can find Bernsey's email. Bernsey sent me a mock draft yesterday at the Cardinals, and I don't really do mock drafts, especially now. The season hasn't even started. You know, with Lou, I'm looking at mock drafts. But he sent one. He sent one yesterday. It was like, oh, the Cardinals are going to take a cornerback from Oregon. I'm like, okay, it's all right. A mock, a mock draft for next April. For next April, like, like. Like okay, the, yeah, right. They need a quarterback. I get it. They need a. We all know they need a quarterback. They need a corner. I know they need an edge rusher. I know. I get it. So like you know that everybody's that's and I can't believe people actually do mock drafts now before the season even starts. But they are. I didn't even talk about it because I think it's a waste of time. But it had them taking a corner from Oregon, I believe. But I do think it's, there's going to be. Listen, every team has you know one area where they've got. 
more strength in that area than other areas. They've got more depth in that areas. The 49ers have like six good edge rushers. They can't keep them all. One of them is going to get let go if they don't trade them. So when these guys get let go, that's when you got to pounce. That's you got to be you got to be ready. You got to have your scouting done, your your evaluations done, looked at the film on these guys, check their health records, and be ready to go and to grab these guys. So that's the situation. There's going to be so many guys that are going to be out there and are going to be free agents because they get cut and you're going to have to see and determine how many of those guys can are better than the guys that you have on your roster right now. Is Robert Alford going to be on the roster week one? I don't yes, think yes so. Or no. you I, say I, no? I don't think so. I mean, the last I heard, and this, I'm going to go back a week, the last I heard is he really didn't want to play anymore. Well, that's a that's a problem then. You really don't want to play? <laughs> if you're not staying in shape and you don't want to play, yes. I mean, if he wanted, off the list. look, the Cardinals... The Cardinals extended an offer to Robert Alford after the season last year for the veterans minimum. We'd like to have you back. We'll offer your veterans minimum contract. He never took it. He never took it. That offer, when camp started, was still on the table. If Robert Alford wanted to come back, they had a veterans minimum offer. I don't think he wanted to play. I think it's that simple. I don't think he wanted to play. Cornerback and edge. That's areas that the Cardinals are absolutely looking at. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Alright, Tim Ring filling in for Burnsy. We're going to take you right until 6 o'clock that you set for the weekend. We've got shows all next week. Ringo will be filling in all next week, too, as Burnsy's uh, driving up the coast. coast. Drive up the coast. Just always wanted to do that. Just drive up the coast in California. That's not a bad little... That's not a bad little vacation. He's got a yurt in one area, like they rented. He's got a little yurt, like overlooking the ocean, and they'll stay in some hotels and stay at a couple yurts and just yeah. drive. Uh, I guess like from the Bay Area down. Is that how it works? Yeah, or from the Southern California up. I'm not sure which which end so did he Pacific start. Pacific Coast he... Highway. Yeah, yeah. PCH. Did they hit Ventura Scenic? Highway? <laughs> Cue it. Um, yeah, you end up in wine country up there. You go by Pebble uh, Beach. I've done. Uh, I did Sausalito. That's like an area, kind of San Francisco area, a little bit off of San Francisco, Sausalito. So I did, I did that. For my wife's 30th birthday, a couple of years ago, we did Sausalito, and then we did the wine tasting and all of that stuff. It was pretty cool. That's good. That's it good. Yeah, cool. yeah. If, if, you, if you like your wife, that is a good trip to make, that drive up the coast. Yeah. If you don't like each other, that's eh, a little long. Oh, yeah, that would be long. <laughs> Cardinals 53-man roster predictions by our own Tyler Drake. I want to go over these. Quarterback. Yes. Three. Three. McSorley, it's interesting because McSorley is a guy that they took off the Ravens practice squad last year. And if you take somebody off of somebody's practice squad, you got to put them on your 53-man roster. You don't have to dress them on game day, but you got to put them on a 53-man roster. If the Cardinals try to get McSorley on their practice squad and only carry two quarterbacks, well, then they risk somebody else grabbing him and putting him on their 53-man roster. So I think there's a chance that they go with three I think they like McSorley, and that would assure that you don't lose him. But obviously, you're taking a position away from somebody else. You agree with that? I would agree with that. I would agree with that. The running backs, 
They've got four. Tyler Drake's got four. Okay. James Connerino, Benjamin, Jonathan Ward, Keontae Ingram. So he's got them with four. That means that he does not have Daryl Williams. Williams. He's got Daryl Williams as the odd man out. Now I'm being told that Williams is going to make the roster. So, um, well, yeah, it's, that it's, he's going to be kept. Unless he's traded, but I'm being told he's not going to be cut. He will make the roster, Daryl Williams. So that means maybe they keep five, or would they try to put Keontae Ingram on the practice squad? I think there's, I think there's a better chance that they keep five. Yeah, I listen. I I would expect Daryl Williams. I listen. Tyler Drake's not the only one to speculate that Williams could be on the chopping block. Given he will not be, and he will not be. He's got too much experience. He was too productive last year in Kansas City, not only running the football but catching it out of the backfield as well. So the Cardinals want that experience. They want a guy who has proven to have had success in the National Football League behind James. Connor doesn't mean he's going to be there all year. Doesn't mean he can't be pushed for playing time by those behind him. Uh, but Daryl Williams is going to be on the football team. Here's here's the thing. And again, Campbell, I, I honestly think that either Jonathan Ward or Eno Benjamin are going to be released. I, I, I or, or you think or, one of those two? I do. I, I I mean, unless they keep all of them. If they keep all of them, then obviously they keep all of them. But if somebody goes. I just, I, I, it's not going to be Williams. I just don't think they're going to release Ingram. So it comes down to either Eno or Ward. Is the fascination with Eno Benjamin real? He hasn't played a whole lot in the years he's been in the league. They keep talking about how great he is in camp and stuff, but haven't seen in the Ward is a better games. special. Ward is a better special teams player by far. We'll keep our eye on that. Wide receivers, he's got uh, Tyler Drake's got six. Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, AJ Green, Antoine Wesley, Greg Dortch, and Andy Isabella. I agree with that. Isabella's going to make this team, from what I'm hearing. Now, I'm not saying he won't be traded, but because I don't know, I don't know about trades right now. I don't know about him. Um, I just know that they're trying to trade for a cornerback. They've had a hard time, but they're trying to trade for one. Andy Isabella, I'm hearing he will make the team. He's had a really good camp, and with not having to have DeAndre Hopkins on the roster those first six weeks, it makes sense that Isabella makes the team. Well, he's caught a break in that regard, and he's played himself into being that sixth guy. Here's the problem, though, Gambo. Will all six be active on game day? And I bring that up because Dorch and Isabella, one of those guys is out the door when Hopkins comes back. Yes. So they're going to have to essentially, like they're, they're not done competing for a roster spot, even if they make the 53-man going into September. Those guys over the next six weeks, the first six weeks of the season, are essentially competing for the one spot that will remain when Hopkins comes back. But how do you win a job on game day? If you're not dressed. If you're not dressed. You don't. You win it in practice. But probably. But 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 whoever's not dressed on game day, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy. The guy cut yeah. when Hopkins comes back. Three tight ends, Ertz, Williams, McBride. I agree with that. I'm not You know, I thought maybe they could go with two. If you have to open up a spot somewhere else, that would mean Max Williams would be out, but they really like Max Williams. So let's go offensive line. They got DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Will Hernandez, Beecham, Cody Ford, Josh Jones, Josh Milo, and Sean Harlow. I think that that's, I think Tyler's right on the money there with the offensive line. I would expect that. Defensive line, JJ Watt, Zach Allen. I think they're going to look to extend Zach Allen as well as Jalen Thompson and Byron Murphy. So I do think they're probably working on some extensions. 
extensions too. But J.J. Watt, Zach Allen, Rashard Lawrence, Lecky Fotu, Michael Dogby, they have as those those five. Outside linebackers is where it gets interesting. Marcus Golden, who's in a holding right now. Then you've got Majai Sanders and Cameron Thomas, the rookies. You've got guard deck. And then you've got Kernard and Victor Demukeji. So I do think Demukeji makes the team. Uh, that's what I've heard. I've heard that he's had a great preseason and that he is going to make the team. Sixth round pick out of Duke last year. If you keep those guys, I would think that, yeah. I, I would think that maybe that number could be off, though. I think you might go five linebackers instead of four, instead of six. And that puts Kennard to me on the bubble. I'm not sure about Kennard. Yeah, here's the problem. I agree. From a football standpoint, who's played well? Who's been more productive? Think about this, though, Gambo. Look at the inexperience of that outside edge rusher group if Devon Kennard is not a part of it. I mean, you got my Jay Sanders and Cameron Thomas rookies, Dimu Keji, who's essentially a rookie, and then Dennis Gardek. I think that they'll. Who's been, a, who's been a special teams guy and a spot player in his young career. I mean, that's. And then Marcus Golden's holding in. But Golden would be the only one with legitimate NFL experience outside of Gardeck a little bit. I would not be surprised if they grab an edge rusher that gets cut from somewhere. There are teams like the 49ers have too many of them. Um, so I would not be surprised if, uh, if they end up with an edge rusher. After cut down day. We'll keep our eye on that. Maybe, maybe not. But I would think that's an area that they've kind of figured out. That's where we can get somebody as well. Uh, inside linebackers, Nick Vigil, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, Tana Vallejo, Ezekiel Turner. That's what Tyler has. That's probably right. Cornerbacks. Corner. Byron Murphy, Antonio Hamilton, Marco Wilson, and then Josh Jackson and Christian Matthew. That's probably right without regards to them getting somebody else. Again, that's another position that they know that they have to address and get better at. What's the chances that somebody that gets cut is better than Josh Jackson or Christian Matthew? What's the chances that they can make a trade for somebody before the cut down that would allow them to get a guy that's better than those players? So that's that's that air. I would not expect that those are the five that they go into the regular season with. Can't, especially if Antonio Hamilton has an injury issue that will force him out early September. You know, we were talking about it a couple hours ago. Yeah, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. I mean, this is this is a gauntlet for your pass defense to open up the first three weeks of the season. Right. I mean, you 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 can't be. Vulnerable at the back end. I don't, you know, no matter how good Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are, you you need three good corners to stop people in this league. I mean, and not only that, you're going up against three pretty good offensive minds, and it's on the other sidelines mm-hmm. who can look at this cornerback room and be like, they be salivating a Sean McVay or an Andy Reid. Josh McDaniel. I mean, it's salivating. the biggest. It's the biggest mismatch in the NFL. Is when you've got when you've got the you've got a 
three or four cornerbacks and they're going up against four wide receivers. Most teams' third and fourth wide receiver are going to be a lot better than every team's third and fourth cornerback. Most teams can match up. I can match up one cornerback with your wide receiver. Maybe I can match up two cornerbacks with your wide receiver. But my third cornerback, my fourth cornerback are not going to be as good as your third and fourth wide receivers. That's why it's tough to trade for one, Gamble. That's why it's tough to trade for one. Well, some teams need those guys. But some teams might have five, and maybe they can give you the fifth. And no, no, it is tough to trade. I'm not saying it's not, but you got to find a team that has uh, has a, a uh, has a quality and quantity. Arizona State and Arizona Pac-12 football starting very soon next week. We've got ASU against NAU. What are the experts saying about where these teams will fall in the standings? We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Hi, Tim Ring filling in for Burnsy. We're going to talk a little Pac-12 football. Fascinating stuff by Brett McMurphy earlier today on the program. Really enjoyed that conversation. He is uh, America's college football insider. Uh, he broke the news that Oregon was in negotiations with the Big Ten and that it's very likely that the Big Ten is going to take the four Pac-12 schools, which was, uh, well, it was uh, Stanford, Cal, Oregon, and Washington, that that's what it was going to happen. And that would, the domino effect would then be that ASU and U of A and Colorado and Utah would go to the Big 12 and then Washington State and Oregon State are left, you know, left with nothing. Then they go to the Mountain West. So that's what a lot of, uh, a lot of that conversation was about, that that is inevitable, that that's likely going to happen. And that Oregon to nobody's surprise, right? I mean, George Kleofkoff at Pac-12 Media Day sitting there and oh, all puppy dogs and roses. I mean, he's got to do it, but in the meantime, he probably went back to his hotel and sharpened up his resume. He's got to figure out what's my next job when there's no Pac-12. I don't see how the Pac-12 survives. I'll be surprised if the Pac-12 survives because there's no way that Oregon and Washington are looking at USC and UCLA and saying, you're getting 80 to $100 million? The hell are we going to get? Go go to the Big Ten. You'll end up with 80 to 100. You may take a little bit less in the beginning, but what McMurphy said is they're going to at least double their money if they go to the Big Ten. And there's no way the remaining members of the Pac-12, the schools here in Arizona, Colorado, Utah, Washington State, and Oregon State, could add teams that would get them a bit a better revenue share than they would get in the Big 12. So once these teams go to the Big Ten, if you're Arizona and Arizona State, you are like, like, we're not going to rebuild the Pac-12. There's no money there. There's no marquee brand. Like he there. said, right? If they really wanted to add San Diego State, wouldn't they have done it by now? They would have done it by now, but they're not going to. So there's there's no. And I, I where I'm going with this is that the end of the the end of the Pac-12 is inevitable. It's it's happening. You know, Brett McMurphy said in case you missed the interview. There was a lot of speculation that the Big Ten was waiting on Notre Dame, and once they got a decision out of them, then they would target uh, schools in the Pac-12. It sounds like they're not even waiting for Notre Dame and NBC to potentially reach a deal or not reach a deal. Uh, It's simply, as Brett McMurphy put it, they're going to go after Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford. And if Notre Dame decides they want in, Cal's out. Cal's out. And <laughs> so Cal, Cal is right now, please, right. Notre Dame, right. don't go. Well, please. yeah, and it's also, Cal's probably like, please, NBC, please. give Notre Dame $75 million a don't year. Don't let Notre Dame go because so they're makes, screwed. Cal's so, screwed. Right. So Cal then would be 
probably in the same boat as Oregon State and Washington State. But the biggest problem that the Pac-12 has is that they have schools that are wanted. The thing the thing that makes the Big 12 kind of strong is that they lost Oklahoma and Texas, but nobody else is trying to get any of the other schools. They're decent programs, but they're not at the level of an Oregon or a Washington. And, and, and what the Big Ten wants and what Brett McMurphy says is they want to ease the travel on USC and UCLA. And if you add those four schools from the Pac-12 and you make it a 20-team conference, well, now you've alleviated a lot of the issues because now you've got six teams geographically aligned to make travel a lot easier where they can play each other, make sure they play each other every year to take some of those to make some easy weeks in the schedule. Of course, and then the Big Ten has a footprint in not only Market 2 in LA, they have a footprint in Market 5 in San Francisco, and they have Seattle, which is obviously a top 10 caliber market. I mean, this is this is the way it's going, and, and once, the, once the SEC then gets their hooks into the ACC and they take Clemson and Florida State and Miami the ACC is going to be left in wreckage. They'll be done. And the Big 12, even if they can kind of hold it together and add Colorado and Utah and ASU and you know have some decent programs, don't tell me that the Big 12 is going to be on par with the Big 10 and the SEC. I mean, tears. Poor Colorado, they got out because they thought that the Big 12 was going to collapse. Then they come here, and now the Big 12 is going to be okay, and the Pac-12 is... Poor let Colorado. Us, let us back in. Can we come back? Let us back in. Can we come back? No, no, no. What's the secret yeah. password? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't know it. Yeah. It's like you, you know, leave your significant other and then right. a year, a couple of years later, you're like, honey, my new girl's, my new girl sucks. Mistake. My new girl sucks. When I, I come, come back, back, I really miss you. I miss the kids. I, I miss should. our house. I miss what? our life. I miss, I miss us. us. I miss us. I miss us. You're so much better. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry, I moved on. Hey, Colorado, yeah, new phone. Who dis? Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, they started to make these predictions, and I saw one that just stuck, stood out like a sore thumb, and that was Stuart Mandel predicting that Arizona State would be the worst team in the Pac-12 this year. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the Pac-12. But Stuart Mandel in his Pac-12 predictions has Arizona State one and eight in the conference, three and nine overall. Ooh. Three and nine overall. And what's what's really rough about that is they you know they play NAU and they play Eastern Michigan. I'd have to think that even with a depleted roster, they're going to win those games. So there's two wins right there. If they so, if so they happen to lose to NAU in the season opener, well then they could they could be zero and twelve. Oh, that snowball effect. They could be zero and twelve if they can't win that game. What games can they win? There has been a couple of times in my lifetime here where NAU has given ASU a run for their money for a while for in the a game. While. If yes. for a while. For like into the third quarter. I think one time it was into the fourth quarter. But there's been a couple of couple of times that they gave them a little bit of a run for their money. I'm telling you. Yeah, I, and I, re- I remember Cal Poly with their option game ASU run. There's always Just somebody. For a little bit until you figure yeah, them out. Yeah, you know, those, those September night games when it's 130 out. Just yeah. don't, don't go as the other well teams as wear out playing. eventually, right? But listen, if, if for the, for them to go three and nine, if they do beat NAU and Eastern Michigan, which I think they will, I mean that's basically saying they're gonna they're gonna win one game the rest of the way. Now listen, they're at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State finished in the top five last year. Uh, it's a good football team. They're not going to beat those guys. Not in Stillwater. And then the rest of the games are conference. I, I mean, Stewart's basically saying they're going to go one and seven in in conference play, and that's 
wow. That's go through the conference schedule. One and eight. Go through the conference schedule, home and road. You got it right in front of you, right? I do. Go so they, they they open up with Utah at home. Okay, they're going to lose that game because Utah's go, probably going to win the conference. And then they go at USC. Okay, they're, they're, they're probably going to lose that game. Right. Then we're home to Washington on October 8th. Okay, that will be a tough game. Like, I could see them losing that game. That's a 50-50 game, let's call it. Okay. At, then at Stanford and they, at Colorado, those could be the swing games. Yeah, they could, they could win or lose either one of those games. Right. I mean, they, neither one of those teams are that good. Listen, Gamble, the Washington-Stanford-Colorado stretch could be the three-game stretch that defines the season. Are you a are you a 3-9 and nine football team? Are you a 6-6 six and six football team? Are you a 7-5 and five football team? What they do in those three games could go a long way. Uh, in determining just where they're at. Because those, to me, are 50-50 games, at least on paper right now as we sit in August. Then you got UCLA at home to open up November, on the road at Washington State, home against Oregon State. Okay, home against Oregon State. They're going to win that game. Come on. Maybe that's the one win Stuart Mandel was... Circling, okay, on, on his, and then, on his Ari- and then Arizona, and then at it's at Arizona this year, uh, back to a Friday game on November twenty fifth. So, and listen, the Arizona, it, yeah, Arizona, you know, again, there's a lot of a lot of buzz from Tucson that they are much improved. I'll believe they are it. much improved. I'll believe it when I see it, though, Gamble. I'll well, I mean, I see it. they've obviously you know, they've obviously had. Listen, they were they added Jaden Delora, the Washington State quarterback. He's pretty good, okay. And then they added a big defensive lineman from UCLA uh, and this this wide receiver named Jacob Cowing from UTEP, who's really good too. So uh, the problem last year is they couldn't score any touchdowns. But now with Delora, I think that they should be better. And everybody loves some of the young kids that they have. There's this young, I was the player. I think even in one of the projections they had U of A having like the best. Uh, like the best freshman or something like that, and might have been in, might have been in um, Mandel's or the ESPN one where they said it's going to be the U of A's got some young talent right. that would be, that'll be pretty good. So either way, um, I think that there's it's going to be a lot different. Listen, it was just a couple of years ago when ASU beat them. What was the score like? 70, 73, right? Or 70 to 7, yeah. something like that? Like two years, a lot has changed in two years. McMillan, this wide receiver, McMillan, the Wildcats' highest rated recruiting years, number 51 overall, to Terry McMillan, six foot five, uh, who will, uh, who will team with, uh, Delora, and then the transfer, Jacob Cowing, in a drastically upgraded Arizona passing attack. So with the new quarterback and these two wide receivers, they think they're going to have a pretty good passing attack. So, listen, it's a lot two years ago when ASU beat them to beat the heck out of them. And a lot has changed. I could see it where Arizona this year kind of overtakes them. Maybe. Let's see where they're at in late November. I will say this. Unless Emory Jones is awful at quarterback for Arizona State, they're going to win more than one conference I game. I totally agree. I totally agree with that. I mean, that. come on. They're not going to uh, only win one conference game. They're everyone, better than that, even with all the losses. And if, and if, and if that's the case, and if that, if they are that bad, I'm not sure Herm makes it to that U of A game. He might not. He might not they even might make it. it. Yeah. Uh, Monty Williams had some interesting things to say about the Kevin Durant pursuit. We'll talk about that next and finish things up here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. What's on tonight? All right, the D-backs are kicking the White Sox ass right now as A.J. Pollock grounds out. A.J. Pollock batting 236. 6-0 D-backs. That's what's on tonight. Your D-backs. I love the D-backs. 
I do. It's six nothing. I love the D backs. Six nothing. Yeah, hey, hey, Mitch, can you queue up queue up Gambo from two segments or two hours ago where he said you're not going to touch Johnny Cueto? It's six nothing. Yeah, Johnny Cueto's been this is the first, <laughs> Johnny Cueto's given up six runs all earned. He had had ten quality starts in a row. Gambo, don't feel bad. If you had a um, crystal ball, you'd be a sports gambler and you'd be making you know ten million dollars. Yeah, Emmanuel Rivera with a home run. Um, what else did you had a, you had a, uh, Rojas had a double, I think three, was that a three? So Rivera homered to make it six nothing. Thomas had a sack fly to make it one. Rojas had a three run double. Rojas with a three run double and Emmanuel Rivera with a two run shot. Emmanuel Rivera has already been 1000 times better than Luke Weaver. Think about that. No, think about it. Like, like I he's know, a, right? He's, you have a decent third baseman. Like, he's decent. Like, you can play him. He's got some pop. He's not bad defensively. Luke Weaver, and I like Luke Weaver as a person, he can't get anybody out. You want to hear something? This is hilarious. Yes. This is absolutely hilarious. You ready? Yep. Luke Weaver's ERA in 12 games with the Arizona Diamondbacks was 7.71. Guess what his ERA is with the Kansas City Royals after six games? 7.78. His ERA was 7.71 with the Diamondbacks. His ERA is 7.71 with the Royals. <laughs> He's the same guy. He can't get anybody out. He can't get anybody out. I know. Wow. I, I mean, we just talked about Paul Goldschmidt and... You know, as as well as Carson Kelly has played at times, let's be honest, Luke Weaver was the crown jewel of that deal. I don't care how anybody spins it now. Mm-hmm. And they got a third, they, they turned him into a third baseman, a decent third baseman. That can play. He can play a little bit. He's got some pop. He's good defensively. We'll see. All right, so that's what's on tonight. You've got your D-backs on tonight. Let's get you some comments. Monty Williams was on Sirius XM Radio, and he was asked about the pursuit of Kevin Durant and his own players and whether he talked to him about it or not. Here's what he had to say. I never talked to any of our guys about that. Um, mm-hmm. One, people don't understand how hard trades are to pull off. And when I first first heard about the Kevin Durant stuff, I was kind of blown away by it just because, you know, we've been so blessed here to have guys who want to come at the same time. at the expense of what was my thinking and I like our team I love our guys but I wasn't going to have conversations that didn't need to be had I think our guys are mature enough to understand that part of our business um, and so I didn't want to have conversations about stuff that didn't need to be brought up and and part of it is because I've been in the business so long it's just hard to pull trades off you know and so that was my thinking uh, so there it is, Bonnie. Not, and I don't blame him, right? I mean, you know, unless a deal's going to get, first of all, if a trade happens and players find out about it on the internet or something, they kind of do get pissed. They do get pissed. They want to, like, I don't want to find out that way. Like, have the common courtesy to call me and let me know you're going to trade me. I don't need to be having a bunch of people tweeting it to me or my, 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 what, my wife hearing it on the radio or something. So guys do like that common courtesy. But if you're not going to make a trade, if nothing's close, you're not going to go talk to Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. Let me tell you where we are with the Kevin Durant stuff. We've had a bunch of conversations with them and we haven't put you guys in, but we're into Like, you're not going to have those conversations. You're not going to have any conversations. No, because if you, if you do have that conversation, you essentially are legitimizing the fact that, yeah, we are, we are 
potentially shopping you or we are shopping you. And I can see where Monty's going with this. Like, look, it's like the Jedi mind trick. These are not the droids you're looking for. You know, hey, there was no trade talks. Let's go about our business. You know, by not because right now, if Monty doesn't feel the need to talk to Cam or Mikel about potentially being trade bait, Monty can always go back to those guys and say, listen, guys, I didn't talk to you because it wasn't true. This this whole Durant thing, we couldn't pull off a trade for for KD. That was all a blame the media. That was all a media fabrication. Your names were never brought up. Your names were never offered. So that's why I didn't come and talk to you because there was nothing to talk about. Now, let's move forward and try to, you know, win a win a Western Conference championship uh, this season. That 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 to me must be the strategy for Monty Williams. Like, listen, just it just don't don't legitimize it. Don't justify it. Just ignore it. Blame the media. Say it never happened. And let's go play some ball. Yeah. Here's Monty Williams talking about the DeAndre Ayton and the relationship uh, with DA. I've heard all that stuff second and third hand, all the narratives. Um, you know, the bottom line is I have to coach and all of our players will tell you that I coach everybody. When I have to make a move like that, it's me calling them up. It's never personal. And I think D.A. said it best when he did an interview. You know, our relationship is calm. And I've invested a lot of time into the the player and the person. Jedi mind trick. D.A., there's no... There's no acrimony. There's no dissension well, between us, Dan. But as, again, as I said earlier, like, he's the adult. He's the grown-up in the room, right? Now, the players can, you know, the players can be emotional. The players can try to be manipulative. We saw that with Kevin Durant. Uh, and players can be upset because they're not getting their money or they're not being treated the way they want to be. But in the end, the coaches and the GM, like, same thing. Why does Kevin Durant have the ability to go back to the Nets after he asked for Steve Nash to be fired and Bobby Marks uh, not Bobby Marks, but uh, Sean Marks to be fired. It's because those guys have no, they have to be grown ups. They have they they have to understand the players' mentality and how they are, and they have to be able to move past that. They do, and Monty Williams doesn't necessarily have to handle DeAndre Ayton with kid gloves, but he's got to handle him a certain way. The old Bruce Arians thing, Gamble. I'll leave you with this. BA always said it, coach him hard, hug him later. And I think Monty Williams is probably still the perfect coach to try to get the most out of DeAndre Ayton, who I think still has a super high ceiling in this league and is only beginning to even come close to touching it. All right, Ringer, great job filling in. I appreciate it. I got you all next week, too, right? I am here. I got you all next week. Let's try to get you Bernsey's parking spot, getting you in the shade right there. (laughs) Mitch, good job. And Eric and everybody else that uh, has a part in the show, we will be back on Monday, 2 o'clock sharp, right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.